What is up, Bruin Bible listeners? This is your host, Will Decker. We've got a very special sponsor to lead us off. We got Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your baseball betting needs this season as it is officially opening day. Get analysis of every play, prop, and points at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online as a whole. Uh, Bet Online is your baseball, basketball, uh, football headquarters this season. Head to our website today and use our mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use your promo code, uh, believe, to receive your bonus pay. Bet a lot where the game starts. Now to the Bruin Bible. Nice cut. Hey, man. Well, welcome to the brand new edition of the Bruin Bible. It's a Sunday night evening event. Madman was very nice enough to compliment me on the haircut, which I sincerely appreciate. We were actually at practice this week, a Saturday morning practice. We commuted together. We saw a lot of great things, uh, a lot of new trending, uh, you know, position battles and different things of that nature. So a lot of great things to talk about, uh, Madman. First and foremost, how are you doing this Sunday evening before we dive into our Bruins talk? Well, brother, you know, always great to be on with you and at the home of the Bruin Bible here. And I made you a promise, actually. And we have gotten on right as that sort of promise is meant to begin. I just finished episode three of Succession, five minutes before you and I got on air. So I'm still processing, you know, (laughs) I I am still processing right now. In, in what was absolutely an, an iconic and epic and just transcendent episode. So still processing, bro, and a sh- lot more to talk about offline, I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I was badgering you for about two weeks in a row being like, have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? I got to talk to you. I was itching uh, to talk about succession. That's actually what I'm going to be doing right after this podcast. I'm going to be editing going to be watching succession the episode five of the final season so really really stoked on that like i said we got practice notes but the big news of the day for ucla fans we got a big time commitment uh mark schroller uh offensive tackle six foot six 270 from mission viejo for the 2024 group he's a four star on some publications he's a three star on others but this is a guy that has a lot of great offers you know we he had Auburn. He had Arkansas. He had Colorado with Dion. I mean, they're a player now, right? These are big Stanford. I mean, we're picking him over Stanford, Texas A&M. A lot of these schools in Michigan and Notre Dame were some of these schools looking in that were interested at the very least. Chip has really kind of, you know, made progress in the recruiting portal. After the fans have kind of come out against him, have kind of lobbied in different ways that he lacked the, you know, the pedigree in terms of you know going out and acquiring these top-notch recruits what does this commitment mean to the class knowing that he's not only addressing a four-star caliber player but doing it at a position where offensive line is a serious need you know no absolutely will i think it, it speaks to a number of different things one is when it's the right guy chip can recruit 
as good as anybody else. And when he sort of believes in that player, believes in their abilities and believes in how they fit within his overall style of play, he's going to be very aggressive. It's just, it's hard to impress Chip and, and sort of cross that threshold. I think B, it also speaks to what UCLA is building here. And I think you and I have sort of talked about the Dante Moore effect, very similar to the LeBron effect. And when a great player goes to a team in the NBA, a LeBron James, then other role players want to come and join him in the quest of, of a title. And I think that's what we're seeing here with this offensive lineman in looking at, hey, I get the opportunity to block for a Dante Moore in the future, in the next two, three years, and really sort of build and be able to play in some really big games. And I think the third piece of the puzzle is the ability for UCLA to attract elite offensive line prospects now that they're going into the Big Ten. And I think the ability to play in that conference in such big games, meaningful moments, I think is something that's very, very attractive to these young men moving forward. So I think this is the first of many dominoes to fall in the class of 24 and beyond, especially when you have the likes of that coaching staff that's young, that's charismatic, and can pull these guys in from a number of different places. And they're starting to get guys from the top-notch schools within yes. the area. I mean, Mission Viejo is a you know a very solid program, but we got a couple Bosco guys in the program that have enrolled in early. And our top recruit for 2024, it's Christian Dunbar Hawkins, who's a corner coming from modern day. You know, we only really had William Nimmo Jr. there from modern day to begin with. So just adding these talented players. I know you're a warrior. Like when you mention the Warriors, you go pedigree matters. And getting these guys from these top-notch programs that know how to win, know how to do these big things. And Chip's doing that, man. I mean, Bosco in modern day doesn't get bigger than that in Southern California. So just adding to the pipeline, you got to love where Chip's moving with this, man. So I'm super stoked on another commitment. Welcome to the family, Mark Schroller. We're super stoked to have you be a Bruin. Now let's get to some practice talk. It's been kind of a, a crazier week. I had to get back to the office this week, so I wasn't able to get check in on Thursday, I was able to connect with Tracy McDonald on Tuesday to kind of give a recap. Let's talk about Dante Moore kind of making a leap for that quarterback job. And it all kind of started last Saturday. You know, you really kind of put it together. It was the sixth practice for him. You could see he had his first practice where, in my opinion, he, he had a better practice than Ethan Garbers. And that trend from everything it, it, it said would continue during the week. You know, Tuesday, he balled out. Thursday, the Kyle Ford-Dante Moore connection was established in ways that the defense just could not figure out. Saturday, there were moments where he was, you know, better than Garbers, you know, in these drills and things like that. So I think the big excitement with the whole fan base is, yes, we got this guy, Dante Moore. He's 17. We're planning for the future. But by golly, this guy might be ready, you know, sooner than we think he might be. So it is just an exciting time. What did you see from Dante on the field uh, from our shared practice experience, my man. Thriller. I mean, it's, you know, Saturday, it's it's interesting because we're, we've got about two more weeks left in the spring season. And we've got two more Saturdays to really, you know, sort of make some convergence analysis on, on where things are going. I would describe this past Saturday that you and I were at as sort of separation Saturday. And I think it was separation Saturday on a number of different fronts that I'm sure we'll get to. But speaking specifically to the quarterback, this was the first practice that I saw where the reps were not equitable. And, you know, so much of the conversation, 
at the start of spring ball was how well Chip was sort of rotating all his quarterbacks. Everyone got an equal opportunity with the ones and the twos. Everybody got equal snaps. Well, what I saw on Saturday was very clearly Dante Moore and Ethan Garber is getting about 80% of the snaps. And Schley and Justin Martin very clearly were just sort of getting a handful of snaps over the course of practice. So it definitely feels like separation Saturday in the sense that this is a two-horse race for the starting quarterback position. And I think what we saw from Dante, he was sort of lighting it up on the drills, the individual drills, the accuracy drills, and just dropping balls in the net. You know, he had, even in sort of the seven-on-seven, he had a beautiful deep ball at the goal line that unfortunately was dropped. He also kind of made some right reads. And even when, again, he was kind of throwing the ball away, you just, every possession you saw kind of the poise and the quiet feet and you know just he's starting to kind of get that command uh in terms of this offense but I thought on Saturday Will there was also some challenges I thought the defense really stepped up deflected some balls you know provided some confusion to Dante as well and I thought Ethan Garbers did a a spectacular job in practice as well and I think you know just in terms of his ability to roll out Find Kyle Ford, kind, fine Sturdivant, beautiful fade ball he had. He also found Kyle Ford for a lovely play action, kind of wide open touchdown in the end zone. So I think right now I still feel that Garbers knows the offense the best. I think Garbers is still the leading man as of right now. But as you and I have joked, uh, objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear And this gap between Moore and Garbers is shrinking. And I think where the gap was two, three weeks ago, I think Moore has probably eaten 65 to 70% of that gap uh, with with Garbers. So I still have Garbers one, but Moore is closing. And I think it's going to be great to see in the next two weeks how much more can he close and then what's the state of the summer going to be going into that late summer, early fall period. Yeah, and it's been it's been incredibly fun to watch. And this is what I would say with Garbers, man. It's like the little drills. I mean, we're watching, you know, the you got to fit the football within this tight little window areas. And Dante hit like six or seven, like he was balling. And, you know, we were kind of just like, man, this kid is incredible. And it, it, it just time and time again, when Garbers goes out there, he might not be the most impressive guy in the drills. He might not do this. But in terms of moving that football on offense – and the closest game-like scenario, 7-on-7, 11-on-11, seven seven, 11 11, he's still that guy, man. He's still that guy right now. And I'm just incredibly impressed. I just hope they trot out the best player moving forward. Keeping it on quarterbacks, Justin Martin, like an incredibly talented quarterback who we were ecstatic about, you know, like four or five months ago in the future of what he would bring to the program. I love this kid. I want to root for this kid. But, man, it just does not seem like with his talent level, and where this program is headed already with Dante in the fold and how already impressive this kid is at 17, that the best role we can really offer him is a backup. So what is the likelihood of Martin transferring, you know, when that, you know, spring window actually opens up in a couple of yeah. weeks? Yeah, Will, and you and I have kind of talked about this both on air and off air the last few days. And, you know, it kind of goes back to the conversation we were having where you've got the tier one, tier two, and tier three right now. And, Tier one is, is Garbers and Moore. Tier two is Justin Martin and Schley. And then tier three is Chase Griffin. And the way you would describe and differentiate tier one from tier two is that the tier one players consistently play over play, drive over drive, snap over snap. 
they are giving you an opportunity to make the right play and to make the big play. With Martin and Schley, they, on any one given play, they can do something phenomenal. But their ability to string two and three and four plays in sequence is where there's a challenge right now. So there's a little bit of inconsistency. And when I look at Colin Schley, for instance, and you and I have, have shared this, him transferring from Kent State, being an older guy, being three, three years, four seasons in that Kent State program, third team All-Mac last year, I don't see him transferring again. He's gotten a graduate degree. He's working on his graduate degree in law at UCLA. I think he's sort of settling in and saying, hey, wherever I fall in this pecking order, this is where I'm going to finish out. And I think Garbers and Moore obviously are going to take this very aggressive approach going into fall because they're really in line. And so that leaves Justin Martin is, as sort of the odd man out. And given that we have two more weeks here and then this, the portal opens up again from May 1st to May 15th, if you're a Justin Martin with the talent that you have and now you have to deal with Dante Moore in, in a head-to-head situation, even if it's not this year, but for the next two years thereafter, you have to wonder at this point, this kid is, is, is a year younger than me and he's already so far ahead. I mean, can I legitimately catch him at this point, given the level of uh, eligibility we both have left? And when you look at some of the lower tier of the Pac-12, when you look at something, some of the teams that are in the Big, the big 12 itself, there may be some opportunities there. And I think unless I see a pretty significant jump here in the final two weeks, Will, I think that we're staring at about a 70% likelihood that Justin Martin is going to be pretty aggressively looking at his options in the transfer portal in these first 15 days of May. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate, you know, I root for every kid that comes into the program and he's got a bright future, wherever that may be. Unfortunately, I, unless if he's comfortable in that backup position, you know, I just don't know with Dante being this impressive this early. So, you know, thoughts to our guy, Justin Martin. Uh, and give a shout out to yourself, man. You look like a professional podcaster. You look like you're doing <laughs> audio books on that, recording into that, man. So we got mad love for the setup for the madman. Is up, Bruin Bible listeners. We have another advertisement for you. We are so lucky to be sponsored by the great people at Athletic Greens. Uh, I started taking Athletic Greens specifically because I was lacking energy, lacking focus throughout the day, and needed some special pick-me-up ingredients to make things happen in my life. Athletic Greens has done just that. I've become absolutely addicted to the process. It has over 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, adaptogens to make your life easier uh, by doing this during the day. I like to take it to start my mornings off. I like to do it before a workout. It makes you feel energized, focused, and just have a lot more energy throughout the day than I typically expected. But right now, is the, it's the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. Uh, that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Uh, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to be give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash LAFB. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash LAFB to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens, a game changer when it comes to your health and your focus and your mindset. 
Um, before I get to the defense, I want the defense did have a very impressive day that I'm excited to delve into. Um, let's talk about some of the offensive guys. I thought Kyle Ford has kind of solidified his status as wide receiver number two. We knew the hype coming in. We knew it was USC, but Sturdivant was so far ahead of the pack, you know, in those first six or seven practices. I still think he is in a lot of ways, but Ford has continually been reliable in ways that upon reflecting from our practice on Saturday, I kind of sat and thought with it. He's lining up more in the slot than mm -hmm. I'm, than I was aware of, you know? So I think just having that versatility of being the outside guy, big bodied possession guy and run these nice little button hook routes in the slot, man, that's a high end wide receiver. Number two, a luxury UCLA's had. What have you seen from Kyle Ford? Because from more, it, it seems like that might be, you know, Dante's favorite target thus far through camp, even with how good Sturdivant has been. No, I completely agree, Will. And I think there's three reasons why, I've been always very high on Kyle Ford, and I completely agree with you. I think he's legitimately wide receiver number two here. And I think in some cases, I think he's wide receiver number two, but he may actually even lead the team in receptions, given a couple of factors, you know. And I think one of those factors is, A, you know, you talked about him lining up in the slot, and it just gives you that element of versatility. You said the button hooks, which is such an accurate kind of statement there. He sort of curls to the middle, and you, you see him sort of open – and then we do some interesting things with him in play action where he sort of goes in one direction and then slides back around. And usually he's getting either a nickel corner on him in some of these redirect routes, or he's got a middle linebacker on him. And he's just sort of in the words of Shaq on TNT barbecue chickening, you know, those defenders in yeah. terms of getting the open space. I think the second piece of it will is Dante has got a lightning release. I think he's got tremendous poise I think he's still growing into his arm. And yeah. I think that, you know, so as he's growing into his arm, his instincts are not always going to be to go as vertical as some of the routes that Sturdivant has. And he's going to kind of look to his security blanket more often than not as he's growing into his arm. And given the route tree that Kyle Ford has versus Sturdivant, it just is more conducive to get the ball to Ford a, from kind of that direction piece in terms of distance, but then the fact that Ford is just such a bigger receiver, it's a wider catch radius, you have more margin for error. And then I think the third piece, Will, which is going to be related to what we talk about later, is offensive line. And I think if this offensive line is a little shaky at the start of the season and needs to grow, he's just going to have less time, whoever it is, whether it's more, whether it's Garbers, are going to have less time to get the ball out. And so it's going to be harder to throw it down the field. You're going to be looking for more of those intermediate routes, which I think, again, is going to be Kyle Ford's bread and butter. So Kyle Ford, I think, is going to play a significant role on this team. I think it's very clearly Sturdivant and Ford. I don't think a wide receiver three has really emerged yet. You know, TMA has had flashes. Cam Brown has had flashes. Logan Loy has flashes. We may even see a world here, Will, where Keegan Jones might be the third best receiver on this team in the slot, you know, in terms Wait, of Keegan, you know, there's just absolutely that. so there's a lot of guys there. I don't think anyone has really solidified who wide receiver three is going to be, but I think it's very clear that it's Sturdivant and Ford. And I think Sturdivant is very clearly going to be the big play guy, and Ford is very clearly going to be the possession guy. Yeah, and uh, for folks, we are trying to come up with some great T-shirt designs to get our Sturdivant and Ford going. I th we're thinking Sturdivant Ford 2024. 
Uh, we may even do uh, law practice, Sturdivant and Ford. You guys come up with some good ideas, man, because we are stoked about what these guys are going to mean to UCLA moving forward. You alluded to it, man. The offensive line, it was shaky at best uh, from what we saw. Not a lot of depth, very inconsistent play out there. And, yes, Kadir County is coming. He is not yet on campus. The left tackle transfer from Old Dominion. But I do want to you know, point this out. Old Dominion to UCLA, to a power five school, is a huge jump. And he's going to have to get it together by fall camp. He doesn't even have the spring period to kind of adjust to some of these defensive linemen that UCLA has had. How many transfers do we need? And I know everyone's going to be like, oh, you know, we, we are not going to get any of these transfers, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, this is what Chip Kelly does. Like, we've seen this time and time again. There's a problem. He addresses it. He goes get some. And there are a lot of very good tackles available in the transfer portal right now. How many do you think you need to feel comfortable about UCLA moving forward uh, into 2023? You know, Will, it's an interesting question. And I think going into spring ball, we had said we probably need between one and two guys on the offensive line to sort of shore up the depth. Now, granted, it was just one practice. And so it's it's a limited sample size. And it's important that it's spring. There's it's non-contact guys aren't, you know, hitting each other. And so you have to sort of take all of that into context. Having said that, given that this was, you know, a fourth week practice out of a six week session, I was very concerned with what I saw on that offensive line, as I know you were as well. Repeated false starts, guys kind of consistently getting blown up at the line. It was really a situation where we talked about more in Garber's and I think Garber is sort of separating from Orr because truth be told, Will, Garber's was the only guy who could really move the ball on, on this defense, given the state of the offensive line on Saturday. And so the fact that Garber's was really the only guy who was kind of getting consistent points on his reps, A, speaks to just his knowledge of that offense and being able to get the ball out. But B, it was very concerning the defensive line and that front seven just owned that offensive line right now. And so, Given the things that Chip likes to do, we've talked about the zone run game a ton. We've talked about the variation in the pass game. This is all predicated on timing and having enough time for the quarterback, especially as we go into this year where we don't have that DTR element of improvisation, of breaking plays down and, you know, going to sort of secondary and tertiary plans. I know that DTR was very erratic at times with kind of just the traditional throw. But where he excelled like few others was when the play broke down or when a blitz game, he could get out, improv, sandlot it, and overcome some of those deficiencies. Garbers is not the athlete DTR is. Moore is still young, growing into his body. So you're not going to have that dynamism back there that you did last year. You need more of a traditional blocking scheme and concepts to be able to hold containment, hold the pocket for these quarterbacks to be able to make their reads. So coming all the way back here, Will, we initially said between one and two guys, I think I need to up that to between two and three guys. I, I don't think one transfer is necessarily going to alleviate some of the concerns here. I think UCLA's really got to look at at least two guys, maybe even three. And I think the 15 days in May is, is really got to be focused on that. Yeah. And to our credit, I believe Spencer Holstead was out once again on Saturday. Yes. He missed about five or six practices. This is the Purdue transfer that was like an all Big Ten level, you know, guard. So I believe him being there, he's our best lineman on paper returning. That's going to be a big help having him back. 
count them, we kind of got to wait and see. But, yeah, one to two guys feels comfortable for me. If we can just get that line to like a B minus, this team is going to roll, man. This team is going to absolutely roll. So I'm super thrilled with that. Uh, before we move to the defense, just want to get some quick hits with you. Running back room, are we still on the wave that TJ Harden is RB1? Um, are you still on the wave that Colson Yankoff is fighting for RB2 over the likes of Carson Steele, which I love to take. I'm I'm all in on it. Uh, you know, Will, I, I think that right now, again, we talked about separation Saturday at the quarterback position. We've talked about it at the wide receiver position. I think the running back position falls into that camp as well. And right now we've got, I think, TJ Harden very clearly RB1. I think his feet, his ability to go side to side, hash mark to hash mark, He's comfortable holding the ball with either hand. He's comfortable running in either side. And then, of course, the, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield in a receiver-like position to generate yak. All of those things, I think, make him very clearly RB1. And then I, I really think the battle between Steele and Yankoff is getting tighter and tighter. And frankly, Will, just in terms of eye test on Saturday, if you told me, let's put the resume aside of, of you know how many career yards they have, how many career touchdowns, where they came from, Pure eye test, Yankoff looked like the better back to me on Saturday. And so I think it's a real battle there, and I could very well see Yankoff uh, supersede Steele as that RB2. And then I think Atkins is in there in these goal line situations, red zone situations, third and short, fourth and short situations. I think he's going to be the specialist back. And then it's a bunch of younger guys kind of fighting for roster spots. But I think it's very clearly those three are really in the running to be an everyday back. And I think Steele still has the edge a little bit, but I, I have my money on Yankoff not only closing that gap, I really see a world where Colson Yankoff is going to be RB2 in the fall. I, you know, it's, it's hard to sort of believe that based on where he was in the, on the depth chart last year. But honestly, Will, I'm seeing it. And, and you know, you use a great word when, when describing him. It's just that burst, that, second, that secondary burst that I just haven't, seen from steel yet steel hasn't been able to get to the edge steel hasn't really been able to kind of show a second gear and he also hasn't looked totally comfortable catching the ball out of the backfield very good player he's a battering ram he's also kind of getting used to life in the pac 12 as opposed to the mac so it's all an evolution very excited about him but yankov just kind of brings this element you know with his size you know his quick feet just his ability as a natural athlete. I just love what I'm seeing. And I think Chip's going to keep kind of using him, you know, because of just his ultimate versatility. Yeah. So we got the same running back room. We'll talk about tight ends in the future, uh, but let's go to the defense, man. That was the best single practice I had seen from the defense. You and I have been raving about the front seven. It, like Latu, Trust me, guys. I Latu is looking in form. I think they're just trying to, like, given his injury history, just kind of save him for the regular season coming back. So he's looked great. But the interior of the defensive line was looking fantastic. And I know this is a breath of fresh air for UCLA fans. Keanu Williams, the new transfer from Oregon, blowing up a play. My guy, Jay Toya, getting in there, getting in the trenches, you know, closing up gaps for these quarterbacks to have no room to breathe back there. It's been fun to watch. You got the Murphy twins coming back. Carl Jones is back. I mean, man, it's an embarrassment of riches on the defensive line in terms of depth. Pretty much the complete opposite of what we have going with the offensive line, if I was being honest. And then you have the linebacking room. And I know you've seen 
two practices now of Oladejo. How freaking big is that guy, dude? It is. That is the first guy off the bus where I'm like, it looks like Forrest, Forrest Whitaker's character from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Like it is, it is scary as hell. Like it is unbelievable. And then like we're missing John John Vons. You know, we'll get to the secondary in a second. Like Jordan Anderson's not even on campus yet, who I actually think maybe of the Mac transfers, I actually think he might be the most impactful. You know what I mean? Given that starting safety spots open. But talk to me about the front seven because I am ecstatic. This is the best front seven since 2014, in my opinion. No, well, I mean, the, the front seven, just there's there's a versatility to it that is just absolutely staggering. And when you look at who this team is going to have to play, you can put a, a front seven sequence for any type of situation. So let's say you got to go play SC and they like to kind of throw the ball to their backs in the backfield. They like to, you know, sort of air it out with Caleb. So you're going to have the, the athleticism of John John Vaughn. You're going to have Carl Jones kind of rushing the passer. You're going to have Latu. You're going to have the Murphy twins. Then you play a Utah and they want to be sort of more stout in that more traditional running game. That's where you get your Toya and your, your Keanu Williams are really going to be sort of space eaters and clogging up the middle to really kind of get those teams in second and third and long situation. Then you've got kind of the Oregon States where they really like to run a ton of play action off of that running game. And that's where you've got sort of the on-ball speed of a Moasau to be able to go and, and address that. So I just love where this team is in terms of front seven. I think no matter what a, an offense is going to be able to throw, they are going to have the personnel to be able to match up. And the guy who just looks like a specimen will is Oladijo. I mean, my goodness. And it's been remarkable the last two Saturdays. We've seen another specimen, maybe the ultimate specimen in all of football, DK Metcalf be on practice. And honestly, Will, I'm looking at both those guys and I'm like, I just want to see them sort of stand next to each other just to understand what the proportionality of Oladijo is. Like, who is this guy? I mean, he, he looks like somebody from the future. It's absolutely remarkable. And he was the guy... Truthfully, Will, Toya probably had five or six plays where he just sort of disrupted the running game. Yeah. Oladijo was the guy who got a couple of sacks in practice. He had a couple of deflections. I mean, he was just flying all over the ball. And you put an Oladijo with a Muasal, with a John John Vons at your, as your linebackers, and then you just let your run stoppers do their thing and your pass rushers do their thing, and they can just do one job. I mean, the sky is the absolute limit here. And so – Again, I agree with you. A little bit of concern on the offensive line. They need to evolve. They need to have sort of a similar growth trajectory as they did last year. But the reason they have looked like they are struggling maybe even more than they actually are is because of the likes of Oladijo and Latu and Muasau, just absolutely terrorizing teams. Yeah, and I think all these guys have a chance at Pac-12 first-team all-defense if everything goes right. I think that's a big statement with Latu leading the way maybe as defensive player of the year for the conference. I mean, he was runner-up last year, which makes me think he can't win it this year. You know what I mean? So, secondary. I thought it was a pretty improved group. You know, I'm liking the initial results I'm seeing. It's, it's coming from a variety of different areas. I thought Davies had moments. I thought – you know, we were talking to John Humphreys and, you know, uh, Alex Johnson's dad. Alex Johnson may have been the most consistent corner so far yes. all throughout camp in the slot. Humphreys made plays. Uh, you know, Kirkwood has moments out there, too. And 
you know, I've seen stuff from Kamari Ramsey that I've really liked. Nimmo, I'm a huge William Nimmo fan. Like, that's that's my guy right there. I love that dude. So it's just like I'm feeling confident. There's something that's changed a little bit with DeAnton Lynn coming in, Whitfield coming back, putting all of this emphasis on developing the secondary. I mean, you know me, I say this every year, but the stock is looking great this year, man. You got to buy low. You got to buy low, and this is where you're going to buy. Tell me what your thoughts are on the secondary, my man. No, well, I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, you mentioned some of the names, obviously kind of Kirkwood and Davies and Ramsey and, and, and the others all playing exceptionally well. And the thing that's been very impressive with me is that we have yet to see really a lot of big plays from the pass game on offense through mistakes. You know, everything has been what the offense has done, even on these seven on seven, 11 on 11 drills, even when they get plays, they're all earned. I mean, and these guys are all in the right spots. And the one thing I really love from what I'm seeing is the technique. You're starting to see, I think you and I more often than not, we're peaking at the secondary and saying, what number is that? And I think that's a great sign because each guy is playing fundamentally such sound ball and doing the same things fundamentally that you can't necessarily always tell the difference right away between that player in terms of mannerism and what have you, they're all sort of leveling out their shoulders. They're all turning their hips the right way. They're all sort of turning back and looking at the ball. They're very aggressive with their hands. They have sort of a nose for the football. They're just doing all of the right things in terms of just situational football from a secondary standpoint. And I think on top of that, there's just sort of an element of competition between that secondary because there are incumbent players, obviously, but I don't know if the, the newer players really feel like that much separation has occurred where they don't have a shot at a roster spot in, in terms of being able to start. And so I think that's creating just an incredibly competitive, engaging environment. And I completely agree with you. DeAnton Lynn, I think, has been that breath of fresh air. We were talking to some folks at practice, Will, and they were saying, look, you know, DeAnton has really been able to relate to these players in a different way. He's got just a different approach and a style He's younger. He can communicate with sort of relate to the, the modern player. There's sort of an element of trust there. A lot of conversation, even after practice, you know, DeAnton is hanging out with his defense. They're going out and playing top golf. They're going and playing laser tag. They're really building that camaraderie. And I think you can see it the last couple of years with McGovern, with Azanero, it felt very much like you're going to class. Practice was class. And these guys were the professor. And they were the professor that was around for 30 years. And yes, you're learning, but it's hard to be able to relate to that professor. Now it feels like you're not just going to class, but you're going to a workshop and you're able to sort of interact and you're able to sort of learn from each other in a very different way. So I think that element of just relationship and then that is translating into kind of the technique on the field because they're buying into everything that DeAnton Lynn is saying. And then I think the third piece is the competition element of knowing there's there's eight, 10, 12 guys will that think that they can start or at least be, you know, kind of top six, top seven in the rotation. And I think that's making everyone bring their A game. And I completely agree with you. I mean, just the level of depth, Will, whether you talk about the line, whether you talk about the linebackers, whether you talk about the secondary, this defense is as talented as really just about any other defense in this conference. So there really is no reason this cannot be a top 50, top 60 defense this year moving forward, and that's just going to set up an enormity of success for this team. We're two offensive linemen away, Will. We get two offensive linemen 
I think the jigsaw pieces are all in place from a talent standpoint. Then it's just going to come down to execution. It's going to come down to development. And then it's just going to come down to health and injuries and being able to manage a season. But we all should be really excited about the depth of talent across all of these positional groups. And we got to pack the Saturday practices moving forward. Get the fans out there. Support your Bruins, man. I mean, we go out there because we love it. I know you guys out there love it, too. It could be hard to communicate and get out there. But, God, we need to get you guys out there and, and cheering on UCLA. Madman, before I let you leave, give me your three most impressive players from Saturday's practice. Ooh, three most impressive players. Thriller, I love it. I think one one player I see is uh, Jay Toya was absolutely phenomenal yeah. at defensive yeah. line. I think that he was just constantly disrupting plays on offense, you know, stuffing guys at the line. He was right there forcing a ton of false starts. You know, guys were, you know, it was at the point where he was kind of getting double teamed in practice. Will I mean, you know, it, it was sort of unbelievable. And I think if he continues to sort of make that evolution, I think it's going to be some great things. The second player I think that really impressed me, Will, and we talked about it earlier, was again Kyle Ford. You know, he showed a lot there in terms of being able to catch the ball, the different variations, and just there's a comfort level there with Garbers and with more with Kyle Ford. And then the third, Will, I'm going to give you a little bit of a surprise here, maybe a wild card. I thought Davies was exceptional in practice, and he was sort of blowing up, you know, in particular on special teams, coming off that right edge, you know, and he was almost forcing. There was one block kick. And then there were a couple of near misses there. Davies flying on that right edge and then also made some really nice plays in the secondary in terms of deflecting some balls um, and just being in the right position. So between special teams and defense, I thought Davies really stepped up. So Toya, Davies, and Ford were kind of my three guys in practice on Saturday. I love it. Uh, make sure you guys are liking and subscribing to the YouTube channel. We're going to have practice reports hopefully coming from every day this week. So make sure you're tuning in. Any parting thoughts, Madman, for our UCLA Bruins? Thriller, I'm just really excited to see how these, these final two weeks play out. And I think that next Saturday and the Saturday after, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes in particular on those two practices to see how over the course of the week things are evolving. And I think we want to kind of see a couple of things here. I think we want to, again, the headliner here is Garber's more, Garber's more, Garber's more. How is that going to play out? And it, are they going to get any heat from a Justin Martin? And so I think the quarterback battle is going to be key. The other thing I'm looking at is this steel yank off, steel yank off, steel yank off. How is that going to potentially shake out? And then for me, the third is going to be offensive line. And how now I think the gauntlet has been set a little bit with this front seven. Now, how does this offensive line, obviously minus whole stage, but how do they sort of respond competitively and say, hey, they, they got the better of us on Saturday. We need to step up our game. So excited to see that competitive response moving forward this week. I love it. Well, like I said earlier, make sure you're liking and subscribing to the UCLA LAFB YouTube channel and the Bruin Bible as a whole. Bruin Bible, we love you guys. We will be in touch very soon. We are officially out. <laughs>